All right, Justin, A through Z. Let's go with D. D. That's just practically news again. Um, oh. <laughs> all right, Jess, I've got a question for you. Why does Burger King suck so bad? <laughs> Look, they have a catchy song. Their mascot is royalty. He's a king called The King. You could have it your way there. They flame broil their whopper. <laughs> so when you add all those things up and nothing else, that makes Burger King great. But then why do their sales suck? <laughs> Justin is exhausted from this question. I think that is because people just haven't discovered how great Burger King is. Or they just forgot. They don't remember. Heather for- forgot about how great it was. But, but you know, jogged her memory <laughs> a little bit. And she remembered when she was a kid loving it. So I think that's proof that most people are like that. They just need to be reminded, and then, bam, they can go there, have it their way. Boom. Question answered. So you're saying that this company is so poorly run that the fact that it's been around for, what, 69 years, and people forget about it? Well, being the king of the flame broiled whopper is a very complicated thing. And Burger King is, their slogan is have it your way. They're not going to force anybody to eat there. They want people to be free, okay? And so they hope that people will use that free will to come back when it's time. But since their sales keep declining and they have the second most stores outside of McDonald's in the fast food realm, wouldn't it be more imperative to them that people come now instead of just at a leisurely pace of once every few decades? Uh, They'll be okay. I think they're doing just fine. And they're remodeling. That's not that's how businesses work, Justin. Stores. Businesses so, don't work when people just come, you know, eventually. They kind of need to continue making money. I see. I see. Well, one thing's for sure. That song is very catchy. I think as long as you can do things like that, next time get a Grammy winning composer on it. You know, you just got to keep on singing to these people and they'll keep filling the doors. And then you you can um, remodel like what they're doing in my hometown. They, they are doing a vicious remodeling. I mean, it's been going on for 
I mean, it had to have been a year and a half. I want to say 20 episodes ago, I said that they were remodeling and they continue to work. I actually saw people working there the other night when I drove by. So I think you remodel, you keep singing to people, keep your doors open, you will be fine. Burger King will prosper. And as long as they got that flame broiler, trust me, they've got fans they'll never lose. Like me. And Justin. Child Heather and and <laughs> uh eight people go into a Burger King a year and gonna keep it open. Mm. Can we just stop hating on Burger King? I mean please. There was a Burger King in New Lenox, right by the movie theater I frequent. It's a vacant building now. Oh. There's a there's a Burger King in Elk Grove Village. Right on a busy, busy street. Um, lots of businesses, lots of, uh, tech places there, a lot of data centers there, uh, lots of, lots of restaurants. Burger King closed just right in the middle of all of it. Just closed, just vacant as fuck. They even got rid of the BK, like the, you know, the big sign on the, on the pole. Mm-hmm. It's just a pole now. Hmm. And you're sure you didn't see a sign for remodeling? No, no, it's, it's just there. It's just a building. Hmm. That nobody even wants to buy because they don't even want the building that a Burger King was in, Jaston, let alone any of the food that comes from it. You know what? I appreciate your Ted Lasso-like belief in Burger King, though, <laughs> is it a Ted Lassoian belief, or is it just malarkey? <laughs> <laughs> is it just a fool's belief, Justin? <laughs> well, Sterling, I can have it my way, so I have to believe. What I want to believe. And I believe in BK, man. I believe in it. Okay? I believe. I already They're know. They're going to turn this around. They're going to remodel. They're going to do... I'm sure if you talk to the, the people who own that land and everything in that place where Burger King closed down, I bet they've got a great story for why Burger King had to go elsewhere to expand it's business. When was the last time you ever saw a new Burger King? Not a remodeled one, just like a new one pop up. Like you're driving down the road and go, oh, a new Burger King. Uh, next question. I'm just saying, <laughs> Justin, they're not expanding. In fact, current projections have their one of their largest franchisees. Somebody that owns 56 stores themselves is closing all 56 of their stores that they have. So out of all 56 of those Burger Kings, not one of them is successful enough to keep open. Wow. None of them are remodeling. 
Oh, no, the guy's filing for bankruptcy and closing all the stores. Oh, goodness. The only thing I could think that must have happened is he ate the burgers himself. Because no one else was eating them? (laughs) So he just didn't want the food to go to waste? It's just relentless on it today. (laughs) Can we please stop this? I mean, I just, we don't know what happened. We got to talk to the guy. But I imagine he was getting, you know, high off his own supply, so to speak. He probably just couldn't get enough of the burgers himself. And that's why this is happening. But I believe in BK to turn situations like this around. We're going to come here in a few months, next year sometime, and you watch. Your tune's going to be different, sir. You're going to be singing the Burger King tune because it's going to be all new and jazzed up. And we're going to be talking about how Burger King has opened 57 new stores, more than they closed. You you mark my words. All right. BK ain't going nowhere. It is April 25th of the year 2023. When we record our episode... The week of April 25th, 2024, I will look up the number of stores Burger King has open, and we'll see if it's gone up. Burger King, don't fail me. Please, BK, please, come on. Come on, BK. We're rooting for you, BK. Me, Child Heather... We're rooting for you, BK. It was very heartfelt. I appreciate that, Justin. Mm-hmm. As of right now, as of April 18th, 2023, there are 7,257 Burger Kings nationwide. So let's just keep that in mind. Okay. Okay. So I need 57 of them open in a year's time. Let's do this, BK. Let's go. You need there to be or remodels 7,314 stores. Okay. All right. I've saved the data. I put a reminder in my calendar. Can a remodel count as just half a store? No, it still counts as a whole store. As long as it's technically an open franchise, it's a store. We'll see. Come on, BK. There's there's no come on, BK, Justin. It will decline. Heather, Heather, just tell him how good it was when you were a child. (laughs) The chicken fries were good. (laughs) With whatever sauce I had. And I can't remember the sauce. Probably sweet and sour. I'm I'm sure the chicken fries were delicious. I'm sure they were. (laughs) 
so delicious that decades later you still haven't had them again. They're so good that you can go decades between having them. Yeah, because that's exactly that's exactly what every restaurant wants to be so good. Their customer base can wait 20 years till they have it again. <laughs> now, Jason, I did try to find a way to get Sterling to be on the side of of BK because there was this show back in the day called The Crazy Ones with Robin Williams and Sarah Michelle Gellar. Kelly Clarkson was on an episode of that and she was like trying to do a new like advertising jingle. And I thought it was for BK. And I was like, that might be the only thing that Sterling could, you know, that might get him. But it was not BK. It was McDonald's. I tried though, Jason. I tried. (laughs) Oh, we were so close. That means even in a fictionalized world, Kelly Clarkson's still (laughs) singing just about McDonald's. We all know in real life she'd sing about Whataburger. <laughs> sure. She's a BK. She's, she's right there. She's a proud right there. she's a proud Texan. She'd she'd sing about Whataburger. Honestly, she looks like yeah. a BK girl to me. She looks like a BK girl to me. <laughs> That's what I see. No, Justin, because she has taste. <laughs> she has skill. She has charisma. She's got a certain je ne sais quoi. <laughs> that does not ring BK to you? No. That's a BK woman right there. A See, BK if she was w. really if she was really a BK woman, Justin, she would have been like, no show. I have to sing about Burger King. Kind of like how Ben Affleck shut down production on the movie Gone Girl because he simply refused to wear a New York Yankees hat. Because he is a Boston Red Sox guy. Did he really do that? Yeah. That's funny. He got shut down for a couple of days because he would not wear the hat. Wow. They compromised New York Mets hat. He was like, I'll wear a Mets hat. Fuck the Yankees. <laughs> Just saying. That's funny. That, that's actually pretty funny. No, but she's she's a BKW. You ask her right now. She'll go, yeah, I'm BKW all the way. Yes, that's why she's singing song about McDonald's. <laughs> I tried, Jason. Sorry, man. <laughs> Jason's not going to speak for the rest of the episode in in honor of the the BK death happening. In honor of his fallen store. Oh, no. It's okay. It's okay. All the but you like Burger, it, and I appreciate yeah. that you like it a lot. All the Burger King guys out there know what I'm talking about. It's good, right? The BKGs, you know, it's good. And and have you, listeners, were BK, let us know. you were a BKC, so you're a Burger King child. <laughs> so the problem you know, is, she's an adult. You were practically born now. there, so she you, is you an know. adult now. And that's why you need to be a BKW. You just need to go back and renew that love that you once had as a BKC. Become a BKW. All right, Justin. The next time you come up here, we will go on a a hunt to find a Burger King. A hunt? 
Yeah, because the next time you come up here, there's no telling how many stores they'll have left. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. We might have to drive hours. <laughs> we might have to go interstate at that point. It would not surprise yeah. me if Gary, Indiana had a Burger King. So we might have to drive to Gary. So two, yeah. so just three BKPs on a BKT. Gotcha. To Gary fucking Indiana. Satan's asshole. <laughs> yeah. I see that look on your the face. Intense, the intense. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> Satan's, what do I say to that? I mean, I don't know. Satan probably likes Burger King too. He's probably a BKS. I don't know. I don't know what Satan likes. BK Satan. <laughs> a BKS. <laughs> I, I mean, I think he's a BKS. I don't know. <laughs> Justin, he's the dark Lord, not a crazy person. <laughs> but it's flame broiled. He likes fire. I mean, <laughs> why would he not like it? But Justin, got to be a BKS. It's, it's hell. Wouldn't all burgers be flame broiled in hell? But that one's even more. He's like, yeah, this is how I love them. I don't know how he sounds, but <laughs> that was great. But I can see him going, I love BK. You know, surely he's a BKS. So what you're Don't saying, Justin? Tell me he's a M a McDonald's ass. No way. So what you're be a BKS. so what you're saying, Justin, is Burger King's new slogan should be Burger King, the official burger of hell. <laughs> Satan's favorite burger. <laughs> hmm. Man, that's a. Uh, I don't know if that advertising would hit with. <laughs> All of audiences, <laughs> but definitely with some. There'd be no quicker way to make me not be a Satanist than to have that. I wouldn't want to be like, oh, I wouldn't want to be associated with Burger King. Just abandon everything because of it. Yeah. I've got standards. I can't wait for that movie. Bill and Joe go to Burger King. <laughs> yeah, where does White Castle fall on this list? I've been there like twice ever. White Castle makes more money than Burger King does. Okay. Surely not. Surely not. Mm -hmm. Do you want me to pull it up again, Justin? No. Well, they, I'm sure they cheat somehow. I don't know. Listeners, you should let us know your, your choice fast food place. If it's Burger King, if it's McDonald's, if it's White Castle, whatever it is, let us know. So Burger King makes roughly $1.4 million per store. White Castle makes $1.7. Hmm. 
Well, they cheated because they have a movie about them. But was it really a movie about them, Justin? Or was it about movie a movie about people actually liking it and not Burger King? Well, I'm waiting on the Burger King adventure, like you said. The great BKS. Bill and Joe go to Burger King. Showdown, yeah. I'm waiting on that. Then it'll be fair. Then we can compare the numbers fairly after BK has had its BKM. So we need the, we need a BKM. A BKM so just sounds like a Burger King bowel movement. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I feel bad for you, Justin, because by the time they would actually have any interest in making a Burger King movie, just like you were describing, it won't be in business anymore. So you said the movie will be about its downfall? The movie will be about them driving at the end of the, like, just around all of America and never finding a Burger King. It'll be like that last standing blockbuster show. Oh. Yeah, that show about, you know, that got canceled. That one. Man. All right. We done talking about fast food failures. <laughs> um, yeah. BKFs, if you will. Oh, come on. <laughs> come on. Not BKF. The BKDF, the Burger King downfall. <laughs> you got to do this the whole podcast now, are you? Have I created a monster? Yeah. <laughs> On that note, here's our theme song. Somebody will listen to me. Nobody knows anything but you. Cinema Slayers. Hey, Cinema fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And tonight we are going to talk about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between with the new movie, Evil Dead Rise. We will go spoiler-free recommendations and scores, and then into a more spoiler-centric section with time codes and description to allow you to jump around in both podcast and YouTube form. And with all that, the Burger King fan himself, Justin, what are your spoiler free thoughts about evil dead rise? Yes, sir. BKP in the house, in the flame. <laughs> Is that just BK person? Yeah. <laughs> oh. All right, enough about the king. Enough about royalty. We'll leave royalty alone for a second. Um, I mean, overall, I, I guess I'll start with saying that I didn't really have any 
anticipation for this or any real expectations. Um, I'm, I'm familiar with the Evil Dead movies. I don't even know if I saw that the the one before this, I believe that came out in 2013. Um, I'm trying to remember if I saw that or not. I don't think I did. Um, I remember the older ones with uh, Bruce Campbell and everything. But this, but this is not a franchise that I would say I'm a fan of. It's kind of one of those that I know. Um, enjoyed the movies and, and stuff like that, but it was never anything where I was like, oh, yeah, Evil Dead or, oh, yeah, uh, Bruce Campbell. You know, I was never one of those people. So going into this, I, I didn't really have any high expectations of it. Or or anything like that. I was just kind of going in, just hoping to not waste my time and enjoy a movie. And with with that attitude going in, um, I, I had a good time with this. I thought that this, for the most part, this was fun. Um, I thought that it was uh, it, it had just the right amount of gore and scare factor in it. I think not having it be a kind of a continuation of what was before with, uh, with with the same characters and stuff like that. Now you have to forgive me if if some of this is from 2013 because I have not seen that. So maybe it is a continuation of some things. But if it was, I didn't know. Um, I it, mean, it seemed, do you do you oh, want to know? Yeah, sure. No, none, none okay. of this ties back to it. Okay, perfect. Because it, because I was gonna say it, it, whether that's true or not, it felt like its own thing. It felt like just a standalone kind of story that involved some things that we know from Evil Dead, like the Book of the Dead, of course, and things like that. So to me, I think that that was actually a smart way to do this. We just took some familiar things from Evil Dead, and we put these people in a kind of a confined area. So I, I bet that this was fairly inexpensive to make because uh, most of this kind of takes place in one area. Do you want so, to know the budget? Yeah. What was it? 15 million. Oh yeah. So I mean, dirt cheap. Like I think when you're thinking of movies and stuff like that, that sounds fairly inexpensive. And I could tell just because we weren't going to a lot of different places. So whether we were in a place or these were sets or whatever the case may be, it had to be fairly inexpensive because we were just kind of in this confined area. And we've seen a lot of confined area, um, kind of gimmicky sort of horror movies before. And, and, and I will admit that there are some, that have come out that are probably better than this one. But sometimes that formula of we're in this confined space and we've got this horror that we've got to escape or get away from, or this thing that is happening weird to us and we're all in the same area together. Sometimes that does lend itself to the story. Um, The story can be faster we don't have to have all of these dips and things like that. Sometimes a horror film 
can overstay its welcome when there's a lot of places you're going, a lot of moving parts, et cetera, et cetera. This, I think, benefited from this format of just kind of having everybody in this confined little space. I think it it lended itself to this because we didn't have to overcomplicate anything. It's just, bam, we're hit with this problem and off we go. So I really think that that served to not focus too much on any of the story elements. We're just kind of along for the ride. And that's what I think this kind of was. It starts immediately. It kind of has something that kind of just um, grabs your attention immediately. And then it's like, ooh, oh, ooh, oh. And then the movie is over. And I think that that made this fun, you you know? And, And there are some things definitely about it. The movie definitely has some flaws and some things where there are some cliche things that happen. And, and, and there are obviously some things that you probably will see coming and there are some jump scares that were predictable, but I thought for the most part, it was effective. Um, I think that, and not to say too much, but I'll expound on it in the, um, when we get to spoilers, but I think another thing that it was effective of doing was just the way that it did gore. Sometimes just keeping things simple is the best way to go. And and, and sometimes when the gore is not so over the top, it it, it kind of causes audiences to react more. Um, I think because sometimes when we see things in movies, there are things that you see sometimes like as far as gore and people getting cut or whatever is whatever the case may be where you you can't, you don't really know how that feels, right? Like, like, you know, sometimes you're looking at gore and, and you're a little desensitized to it because it's like, okay, well, who knows what that feels like, or there's no way I can relate to what's happening on screen. But sometimes just seeing a hand get impaled or a foot or an arm or something like that. Sometimes when the gore is a little close to home, I think it's a little more effective sometimes because you kind of know what that feels like. Oh, or, you know, if you've stepped on a nail or if you've, you know, sometimes there's a relatability factor when it comes to somebody getting hurt or something like that. And I think one of the effective, the, the one of the most effective things about this was that this movie capitalized on that, I think, in a lot of ways. And that might be the best way I can put it without just straight up saying things that happen. But I think the movie capitalizes on that. Some There are some relatable elements to it that I think helped it in a way. Uh, so yeah, overall, I I just thought it was a fun little horror movie. It doesn't reinvent the wheel. It doesn't do anything, I guess you could say innovative and everything or anything like that. But I think as a standalone story, it was effective. I thought that the, the actors, all of the actors in this did well with the roles that they were given. Um, 
Of course, you have characters making dumb decisions. This is a horror movie. Uh, of course, you're going to have, you have some characters making some questionable decisions, which I'm sure we'll get into. But overall, I like the characters. I thought that all of them were fine. Um, everybody kind of did what they needed to do with the role that was written for them. And it pays a couple of homages to some of the uh, old Evil Dead stuff, um, but but didn't get so on the nose with that that it was hammy or it just made me roll my eyes or anything like that. So, yeah, overall, um, I think you could do a lot worse than this. I think it was fine. I, I had a pretty decent time watching this, and uh, for the most part, I thought it was pretty fun. So, yeah. Not a bad impression of this movie at all from me. Heather, what about you? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I agree with pretty much all the, of what you're saying, Justin. Like I, I came into this movie partially worried that it was going to be one of those movies where the trailer gave everything away <laughs> because the trailer to me looked amazing. It was a dope trailer and I was like really pumped for this movie after seeing it. And I was like, oh, I just hope that that's not all of the crazy parts. It's not all the scary parts. It's not all of that. And, um, and it wasn't, it wasn't, they did a lot more than just what they show you in the trailers. Um, and it, it paid off. So I, I thought it was a pretty good movie. I thought it was a, a fun, wild ride, of course. Um, and I do like the simplicity of, you know, like they, they made use of every space they had and they didn't have like a, a whole lot of characters really in this, but everybody they did have played a really good part in this, in this film. So I, I appreciated how they really just kind of used that space and used up the screen time they had in a really good way. Um, and yeah, I think, kind of talking a little bit about what you what you were saying like the sound design in this movie is insane like the the cracking and the crunching and the whatever things that you're hearing when you're seeing certain visuals on the screen it it made me wince it made me cringe like it did its job in really making you feel like what that would feel like so I completely agree with you on that aspect of it as well I thought that the prior movie evil dead did the same thing i actually saw it um the day before i saw this movie because i actually hadn't seen it either so um and i do think tonally it matches up more with the 2013 evil dead but um yeah and i thought that was a great movie too so yeah i think um it is a good standalone film it's not like you need to see the others to kind of know what's going on here but, you know, you can appreciate it for what it is on its own. Um, yeah, I just and the fact that for me, at least, like, I didn't really know any of these actors in this movie. Like, I don't think I had seen any of them in anything else before. Not to say they haven't been, but I personally haven't seen any of them in something before this. So I was just really impressed with everybody and how they how they did their parts. Um yeah, I I think that the the story was I wouldn't say it was yeah, I mean it is a simple story, but the way that they kind of navigate it, you know, there's a couple of 
backstories or a couple of underlying stories that happen and kind of the way that they interweave it and navigate the stories throughout this movie, I think is well done. It's pretty well paced because it's a shorter movie. Um, yeah, I think they did that well. The gore is um, kind of on par with what you think it would be considering what this movie is. <laughs> um, definitely some moments that, you know, are going to be very memorable <laughs> for a while. Um, but yeah, I, I think they did a good job with this. I thought it was a, it was a pretty good movie. Yeah, I, I had a good time with it. I wasn't really, um, I wouldn't say I was disappointed. I wasn't overwhelmed necessarily with the movie. Um, saying like, oh, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. But I thought it was good. You know, I thought it was a pretty solid film. Um, yeah, so I, I say, yeah, that was kind of my my takeaway from it. I used to be a very big fan of the Evil Dead franchise. And it's not like just something happened and I just was like, oh, no, I can't be a fan of this anymore. No, I just kind of outgrew it a little bit, you know. Um, but I did really like the 2013 reboot of this. Um, I saw it in theaters. Uh, it, to me, felt like the first Evil Dead movie, if they actually had a budget, because the very first Evil Dead movie, The Evil Dead, did not have a budget really at all. It was, like, made on credit cards. You know, it was Sam Raimi and a bunch of friends from fucking college, including Bruce Campbell, just, you know, borrowing money and using credit cards and making a movie out in a cabin in the woods, you know. And so, like, to me, Evil uh, Evil Dead 2013 was kind of what he would have made if he had money because it was a serious take on it. The very first The Evil Dead while campy and kind of cheesy, mainly due to special effects and those types of things, was more because they didn't know else how, uh, like know else how else to do some of the stuff. So the 2013 one kind of made me think of what it would have been if it was, you know, done by somebody a that loved horror and had a budget. Uh, because Sam Raimi traditionally doesn't really like horror. He made a horror film because they were cheap to make. So he's kind of like backdoored himself into being a sort of horror icon. But that wasn't really because he wanted to be that. And so I, I did like that. I, I, I do really like Evil Dead 2. I think of the original movies, Evil Dead 2 is the best. Uh, Army of Darkness kind of goes off the rails a little bit. Uh, you know, it's, this isn't a spoiler, it's in the medieval ages. You know, it's, it's a very weird and kind of silly movie. It's not terrible, but it's a very silly movie. You know, while Evil Dead 2 is very much a horror comedy, it's very funny. It's got a lot of slapstick to it. It's got a lot of, you know, just physical humor in it. Evil Dead 3 is another beast, which is Army of Darkness, is Evil Dead 3. Um, but, you know, then the, you get the new one, and it's very serious. And so then 10 years later, we now get this one. Yeah, 
this movie ended up more or less just kind of being all right to me. There's not really, it's, 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 and I don't necessarily mean that in a bad way. It just kind of ended up being what I expected and maybe just not what I would have wanted. I think that there could have been some better choices in there. I think that there could have been, I I honestly think there could have been a little bit more gore and a little bit more uh, of that type of stuff. I know there's a bunch in this and it sounds kind of weird. It's just the way the Evil Dead movies work. I kind of expected a little more. Especially after the 2013 one. Yeah. <laughs> that one was And it's funny because super gory. this movie has 1,700 gallons of fake blood in it. Or, or he used that much to make this movie. Um, you don't technically see that much because, you know, there's scenes that are filmed that aren't in it that probably have blood in them. They might have to do a couple of takes of some stuff that has fake blood in it, but they used 1,700 gallons worth of fake blood to make this movie. I expected it to be a little more, just based on how the franchise goes. But in the end, it, it it's a very solid entry into the franchise. Uh, this one looks to possibly make more of a franchise out of it. Uh, like I said, the budget on this movie was 15 million worldwide. As of right now, it's made 44. So it's a success. It's probably going to get some more movies. And uh, Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell, who have our iconic parts of the series were producers on this. And we're saying that this is probably going to hopefully lead to more. On a more current basis, too. Like, you know, instead of every 10 years like it is right now, maybe, you know, two to four years, we might get a new one. Uh, another little piece of trivia about this movie. It was originally supposed to be an HBO Max original. And just be on the streaming service. But the test screenings were apparently so good that they were like, fuck it, let's mm-hmm. throw it in theaters. And, you know, good choice. Tripled its budget nice. right now. Opening weekend, triple its budget. There are worse things you could ever want for a movie than that be opening Mm -hmm. weekend success. So, you know, um, I, I did think some of the things in this movie were a little cliche. Some of the things were a little too predictive. And I think some of the things kind of held on to some of the iconic moments of the franchise a little too much. I know these are iconic things in this franchise, but you know, if you're going to change up things and modernize some things, you can change that stuff too. It's fine. But in the end, ultimately I thought it was fine. I enjoyed myself for the most part. I mean, one of the best things about this franchise is like every movie averages out to be about an hour and a half. I think the longest one in this franchise is like 97 minutes. You know? I think this one was the longest one. How long is this one? Hour 37. Yeah. So, yeah. 97 minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so they're, they're, they're quick, short movies. They get in, they start their shit, and they get out. I'm fine with that. But, yeah. Like, I, I you know, I 
for the most part, I guess I liked it. Just, you know, would have preferred some, some differences here and there. And I think they could have done a little more, but in the end, it's a, it's a solid, solid entry in the franchise. Uh, recommendations and scores. Yeah. Yep. Recommendations and scores. Uh, Heather, what about you? I do say overall, I do recommend it. Um, I just give caution to those who easily get like queasy with gore and stuff like that, because it is a lot of that. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I mean, if you're a fan of horror movies and yeah, a fan of the evil dead movies, like I think you'll enjoy this one. Um, I thought it was good. Yeah. I've definitely, I would say, I mean, of the horror films more recently, it's, it's probably up there. It's, it's not bad. Um, yeah, I think it was, uh, a simple, uh, a simple way to tell a very intense story because it was very intense the entire time. Um, and it was just a a fun ride and yeah, I, I think that it's definitely worth a watch for sure. Um, I'm going to give it, what am I going to give this one? I'm going to give it, um, I'll give it 75, um, you know, chomping on glass to cut your throat out of a hundred. Justin, what about you? Yeah, I feel the same way too. It was pretty fun movie. Um, nothing really terrible about it, honestly. I mean, nothing... Nothing too crazy to where I would feel like it's a bad film or anything like that. I mean, you could definitely do a lot worse than this. And I mean, if if that's what you're looking for, just a fun little horror movie that you can go see um, anytime. I mean, I, I think that this would be worth a person's time. I think you have some fun with this. You'll see some gruesome stuff. You'll get the horror kick that you're looking for. And then you get out of there. I mean, it's got all of that in spades. It's got the supernatural stuff. You've got your cast of characters that will feel familiar enough and everything like that, but they've got enough story to where like, they're just not boring characters or just uninteresting characters. You know, they got just enough to keep this going. And then, and really um, the movie just gets down to the nitty gritty. The when when it's it it does have a good atmosphere. A, a, the atmosphere for that they needed for this is effective. So there are a lot of good scenes. There are a lot of scenes that 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 look great and have that horror feel and look scary and 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 kind of really uh get get you in the mood for what this is. It has all of that. The the makeup. And the um and the special effects are good in this too. You know, for the fifteen million dollar budget that they had, I really didn't see anything that stood out as oh, that's bad. That looks bad, or that looks. I think that everything looked all right from from what I remember. So I thought all of that was good. And like I said, I think the gore was effective in its simplicity. Now I don't know how that compares to like the the last evil dad 
or if they decided, you know, let's pin that down and go a little more simplistic with this. But I think that method was effective in this because there were a lot of times where I felt like, yeah, maybe we could have blown up a head or cut an entire person's body off, but they chose to do these little things that I'll elaborate on um, later. And I think it served to make it just that much more like effective in how you felt it. I think, I think that decision was a good one. It doesn't work for everything, but I think it worked for this. So, so I, I think that's probably one of the better decisions that they made just with their technique, how they went about presenting this gore, I think was very effective. Um, and, and more movies could probably learn from it. You know, uh, sometimes simple is better. Sometimes less is more in some cases. And I think this is a good example of that when it comes to the gore anyway. Um, uh, other than that, yeah, the acting was good. So, I mean, can't really complain about this. We're going to go 70, uh, giving, taking a little off the top, a whole new meaning when you uh, completely pull somebody's, the top of somebody's head off, um, exposing their cool little brains out of a hundred. I think it's funny, Justin, that you are saying like less is more and stuff like that. Because ever since like Evil Dead 2, that's not really been the mantra of the franchise. The franchise <laughs> has been funny, right? The franchise has been fuck your mind with horror and gore. And you know. <laughs> and that's why, like I said, to to me, I kind of expected more. It was a little too tame for me in that regard. Uh which was the weird thing to change to me. I'm like You'll change that, but you won't change some of these other things. That's what's weird to me in this instance. Um, But overall, I mean, being 97 minutes and, you know, it it is violent. Don't get me wrong. It's a violent movie. It's, it's, you know, it's got your deadites. It's got your book of the dead. It's got, you know, super sneaky cameos by, by Bruce Campbell. Um, it's got some references to the older franchises. One of them I really enjoyed. And then this isn't a spoiler. I, I kind of had a little chuckle when they had, uh, when they dropped the pizza boxes, they were Henrietta's pizzas. Uh, big fans of the, the franchise will know that Henrietta is the dead woman in the basement in the evil dead too. That's even her picture. That's the picture of Henrietta, which is uh, Ted Ramey. Uh, Ramey, uh, Sam Ramey's brother. That's him in the makeup for the the woman in the Evil Dead too. Um, so it's actually her, like him as her picture uh, on the pizza box. And so yeah, that gave me a little chuckle because it's Henrietta's pizza, you know. Um, but yeah, I just kind of I was expecting a little more than what this movie ultimately delivered, but it's it still delivers a lot, you know. I think it's funny that, you know, I'm expecting more because of what this franchise typically does. But for you guys, it was kind of for Justin was enough. And for Heather was a little more than, you know, she's used to seeing. So in, in a lot of ways, this kind of has, you know, it depends on your, I guess, violence or your gore 
uh, threshold, if you will. You know, um, or or what you want from gore. You know what I mean? I think I do tend to lean a little more into wanting more gore than you two. I mean, that was kind of a big thing about the movie Megan. Like, I wanted way more gore than we got in Megan. You know, and you and you guys were fine yeah. with it, you know. So, in those types of movies, I tend to want more. So, I kind of feel a little a little sad that the movie I felt that was going to give it to me didn't quite get there. But other than that, I mean, it's, it's, it's solid. Um, 65, 65 tattoo needles, almost going in your eyeball out of a hundred. Um, we've been so clean with our Cinescores lately. This is this is yeah. our official cinema score, and this is a seventy. Okay, we've really between Mario Renfield and this, we've had like one person like say what it is, and our scores be so on the other side of it that we always average to one the person in the middle score. Hmm. So, yeah, we did that with Mario, we did it with Renfield, and we did it with this. More or less, so. Yep. Uh, spoilers? Yeah. Yep. Spoilers. Um, I'll go into a little bit of lore, uh, evil dead lore, that is just presented in this movie. So it's not really going to be spoilers or anything like that, but just how they kind of present some of the stuff in this movie when it ties into the greater evil dead franchise. Um, one thing I did really like about what they added to the lore in this is on the recording when they're talking about the Necronomicon or the Book of the Dead or the whatever De Morte or whatever they called the books, it changes in like every version of the movie. Um, They say that there are three volumes of it. There are three books. And that weirdly ties this movie to the whole franchise in doing so. Uh, because the book in Evil Dead, or yeah, Evil Dead 2013, is not the same book as in Sam Raimi's franchise. And by saying that in this, this actually says that the Sam Raimi franchise is one book, the Evil Dead 2013 is one book, is the second book, and this mm. is the third. Okay. I didn't think about that. So it yeah. actually ties them all together. By just having that little nod. Um, This is the first Evil Dead movie outside of Army of Darkness that doesn't take place in a cabin. Evil Dead, or The Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, and Evil Dead, which is the 2013 one, all take place in a cabin. Two of them were the same cabin, but yeah. So that's, you know, this is the first one outside of Army of Darkness that doesn't take place in a cabin. But it still kind of lends itself nicely to what the franchise is good at, which is that isolatedness. Like isolating yourself yeah. to like a location. But changing it up enough to where it's not just a cabin in the woods again. You know, it's you know, it gave it a little bit of a different flair to it, which I did like. Um 
to kind of give some examples of where I kind of, or I guess some more lore stuff, um, chainsaw. I mean, this is the fifth movie out of five that has a fucking chainsaw in it doing chainsaw shit. Uh, (laughs) that's something I would have changed. I would have actually not used a chainsaw in this movie. I think of all the things to keep and drop, I, I think it'd be nice to maybe change it up a little bit, not have a chainsaw. Um, I'm not saying this movie is worse for having a chainsaw. I'm just saying, I think with what you're changing with it, change that too. Why not? Uh, also shotguns, shotguns are very big in the franchise. Uh, but outside of all that, like some of the things that would changed is that one of the things I've loved about the evil dead movies, as much as it is about physical violence and gore, there's an element of like mental gore that they've kind of had, which is that fucked up in this, them doing things to each other that is just so cringy that it kind of rocks you to your core. And in most of the movies that comes through a dismemberment of some sort. And in most movies, it's somebody having their hand or arm cut off. It's a very big reoccurring theme in this franchise. So that's kind of, that was one weird thing to me. Like you got rid of somebody losing a hand, but you you kept the chainsaw. Uh, But where I would have taken that though is like I was saying, there's that scene where they've got the tattoo needle. It's like right next to somebody's eye. And then they turn last minute and it gets their, their cheek or forehead or whatever. It hits their face instead. I actually kind of thought it would have been nice if that was a tattoo needle to the eyeball. It would have been really rough to see, but yeah, I get what you mean. I I would have liked that. Then there's a scene they show in the trailer where it's the trees greater to the leg. I thought that that could have been more. Like it ended up just being some marks. Nah, I wanted that deadite fucking grinding and it just oozing blood and slushing out with like little bits of of shredded flesh out of it. You know, I did actually kind of expect that too from that. Of them just like taking it and just thought that would have been nice. (laughs) You know, it's kind of things like that, that they did like I, the, the whole glass coming out of the throat. Well, a nice little effect. I kind of wanted some more glass out of the throat. I wanted the I wanted that dead eye to kind of talk with like a a very fucked up voice because the vocal cords and the throat are so gnarled with fucking glass. You know? So it's things like that. Like that's what I mean. Like that's what I was kind of expecting out of this movie. Because the franchise has kind of taught me, especially whenever this thing goes serious, those elements get amplified. And this, I felt like they took them back a little bit. And then I do think it's slightly disingenuous whenever they, the director does talk about the blood in this movie. Because so much of that blood is just a shining reference. You know, I would have preferred that coming out of people. 
you know, blood filling an elevator. While that was a cool scene, I would have been more impressed if 1,700 gallons of blood came out of people and not just been in an elevator. Because so much of that was that elevator. You know it. So, like, those are some of the things that kind of disconnected me with having a long-standing tie to the franchise. Even if I haven't been as big of a fan, like, you know, like going back and be like, man, the Evil Dead franchise, I love it. It's my favorite. You know what I mean? I haven't been that big of a fan recently. But I have long-standing ties to the franchise. At one point, I even had the collector's edition of Evil Dead 2 that came in a case that was the Necronomicon. You know, so like I have a long-standing history with the franchise, so I kind of wish, like those were those were some of my expectations for this movie, going into it that some of that stuff would have been more amplified or more visceral or more just grimy, and I kind of felt like there should have been more people in this movie. It's an apartment building; they're on what the fifth floor or something like that. There's more floors of people that could have been deadites and doing shit and going crazy. I think I would have liked to see that a little more. And now the final thing I'm going to talk about is probably one of the more controversial things I'll probably ever say on this podcast. The wrong kid lived. I think to truly drive home the evil, visceral nature of the Book of the Dead. You got to, you got to take out the little kid. One of the, one of the older kids should have lived. And the little kid should have died. And I, yeah, I actually kind of think it should have been Danny. To live. And and I and I mean that just from the perspective of the way we would view that as a viewing audience is that would be more fucked up. Because a, a an older kid dying is not considered as bad in a movie as a younger kid dying. Yeah. As weird as that is to actually say, that's the way our society views those things. An older kid dying is nowhere near as tragic as a younger kid dying. So I think to really f- yeah. get that mental fucked up I think you have the little kid die. And I just say that because this is also the first movie to have children in it. Yeah. So there's, no- I mean, I kind of get that because, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, there's no other comparative points from the other movies. You know what I mean? Like this is the first yeah. one to do it. Yeah, because I kind of think along the same lines of like the mental, like messing with your mind part of it, like having Danny be the one that lived because essentially Danny's the reason that this kind of happened. (laughs) And so for Danny to be the one that lives and sort of has to live with what's happened would be a little bit more of that mental messed up thing so that's why I feel like maybe it should have been Danny they kind of followed the rules with that the person that 
unleashes the Necronomicon is typically is is the last human to die. Yeah. Not, Which is nice that they did follow that. Yeah. Like, that's just kind of a tradition in a way. Like, they're one of the last people to actually, like, bite it typically. You know? Which is kind of, that. that's like the morality of it all. You're the reason all this happened. You get to see almost most of the, your friends or family or whoever die because of you before you get your cup up, uh, comeuppance. You know? Um, yeah, I mean, those are kind of some of my little, uh, complaints with it, but I mean, overall though, as I mean, it's still, that's, you know, it's a fairly effective scene when that tattoo needles right there by the eyeball, you could hear like everybody's assholes just puckering up in the theater waiting for it to happen. <laughs> you know, I was nervous. I was so nervous about that. Same with the cheese grater. You know what I mean? As soon as it hits the leg, everybody's just waiting for it to be the most fucked up thing they've ever seen. And then it's just kind of, you know, some lines. It's not that bad. I feel like I could take a cheese grater to the leg now. Based on this movie. Not that worried about it. So. Those are just some of my thoughts coming from somebody that has long-standing ties with the, the franchise and where I was kind of expecting and where this movie kind of let me down because of that. I understand that those are my expectations, but I feel like those are the expectations the franchise gave me. And so I can't at this point take this movie outside of the franchise because, you know, it's it's tied into them. It's, you know, it's a part of that franchise, whether it likes it or not. And I kind of feel like it likes it. It, it tied itself in. So, um, Justin, what about you? Cool, cool. So, um, so for me, not really having those kind of investments from the previous movie and stuff like that, you know, for me, it was just, okay, what does this movie have for me? Um, I thought that the, the beginning and how they did that, I thought that that was a pretty strong beginning. You know, I'm I'm big on that. I think that sometimes um, the beginning of a movie is so important because it sets the tone for everything else that's going to happen. And I don't see, I don't hear enough people comment on that or notice that or appreciate when like a film starts with grabbing your attention effectively and then doing something that just that, that that maybe makes you go, oh wow, okay, it's gonna be this kind of movie. I definitely think this film started strong, you know, and they started with it being in the woods in a cabin. So that was a nice little homage to some of the things that you've seen before. Um and then sort of finding out uh as it's telling the story that that was actually something that happens later. And what you are seeing is something that occurred in the past. So that was, you know, a little um, storytelling method that they use. So even though what we were watching is something that happens later in the time, that is the story of the film. I thought that that beginning was effective. And whenever the, uh, (laughs) the, the top of the head, 
uh, of that girl got ripped off, I was like, oh, damn, you know, that was, I didn't see that coming, you know? So I was like, okay, movie. Okay. You, you know, you got my attention. So I thought that that was a strong start for this movie. I think it kind of gave you right away what this was kind of going to be. So I thought that that was just a very good uh, attention grabbing scene for this. Um, and as the movie is going along and it's developing characters and things like that, I thought that everybody was pretty effective too in their acting roles. I think that um, that the the that the two actresses. And let me go ahead and um, get their names. Uh, and I and I'm not too familiar with them either. Lily Sullivan, who played Beth, and then Elisa. Um, Sutherland, who played Ellie. Um, I thought that they were good. Um, I thought that both of them were good. I think that they did feel like family members. They felt like sisters. Um, I I liked the, the conversations that they had. I complained about the last movie that we did. Um, the Renfield, the yeah. Renfield movie that, sometimes the dialogue was so expository that it was obvious that that's what it was doing. It was expositing and it didn't feel like real conversations. That movie could, could learn a lesson from this movie because the conversations that they have, the sisters having and revealing little things about themselves that maybe they were, that you could tell they were uncomfortable talking about, but still kind of, revealing a little by little and just kind of having those uncomfortable conversations. They felt like real conversations, but they were effective in also giving us little story tidbits about them. So I want to give a kudos to that as well. They, they were able to have effective conversations in this, but still let me know what the characters were about. So just again, another little thing that this movie does um, that 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 serves it, that, that just makes it that, that much more better in its quality. And I think that this movie, that, that's a good microcosm for this movie, that this movie does a lot of the little things right. And I think that maybe that's where, that's why it ultimately winds up being effective or good or why... I think most people are enjoying it because the the people that I was in the theater with were getting a kick out of this man. And anytime there was a hand getting stabbed or a, a cheese grater to the leg or something like that, I didn't hear a lot of disappointment. I heard oohs and ohs and, cr- and people cringing and going, oh man, or oh, and it even got me a few times. And I think, and this is what I mean by sometimes being more simple than being more over the top with the gore. I I mean, sometimes you can look at a scene and and you can look at, and this is kind of also something I've learned in pro wrestling. Also like sometimes the, the more relatable, the display of pain is the more invested and the more effective it is in getting over with the audience is is kind of a lesson that I've learned. Like, not everybody knows what a flipping pile driver feels like. But 
sometimes just seeing a finger bent back all the way or seeing a leg twisted a certain way. You you just think about that and you go, oh man, you know what that must feel like. And sometimes that has more of an effect than this big, like super thing or this explosion of blood or whatever the case may be. This movie was like King, Burger King, if you will. <laughs> of Oh, so I should have, um, I should change my score to be in a, like a 30. <laughs> stop, stop <laughs> it. Stop it. You, yeah. Thanks. Heather. You saw, you saw what I did there. You saw what I did there. Yeah. So, um, all right. I need to readjust the center score. Hold on. You keep going. No, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. No. Okay. Seriously. But this movie was king at doing those simple things. Like, and I think what made it effective is, is that you could show a lot of it. Like they showed a lot of it. Like you saw the, the blade going through the hand. You saw the, the, the cheese grater grinding into the leg and stuff like that. And I think, that and good on you, Heather, pointing out like the sound editing and the sound and the 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 sound uh, design and the, that was very effective too, because anytime those sounds meshed with what you were seeing visually, I heard reactions from the audience. They were reacting big time, and it made me kind of go, you know what? This movie is doing simple gore effectively. It's getting reactions. It's getting, I can, I, I bet it was the same way in that screen testing that Sterling was talking about earlier. Sometimes it's just more effective when it's things we can sort of understand or things we can sort of relate to. You know, people have pricked, you, you know, you've probably pricked your hand before or cut yourself before or had something, you know, had your, you know, uh, hit something against your leg or got your leg kind of stickers and stuff, you know, your feet. Sometimes, man, those things, seeing those things get cut in a movie or stabbed in a movie or something like that goes a longer way than seeing somebody's head get cut off or seeing whole arms or limbs getting chopped off. You know, sometimes it, that's not as relatable as seeing just those little things happen. And I think that was something that this movie excelled at. Instead of going like super big for this big, super gory, I'm going to hit you and, and the blood's just going to explode out. It chose to just kind of, eh, we're just going to go right inside the, the arm and just show the blade passing through and just let the... The, the 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 actress scream have an excruciating yelp and just let that sound and that visual and that yelp hit you and i think all of that was done so effectively in this i cannot state how effective that was and they did it several times in the movie and it just made i think this little adventure that much more effective. So even though I get what you're saying, Sterling, about the, the the fact that the amount of gore was less, I actually think it might have served this movie because it was that way. I can't really say with certainty 
if there was if if things were more over the top or if there was more or if you just saw gallons of blood spilling everywhere if it would have necessarily been more effective than just seeing those simple things happening to people or like y'all were talking about when the guy when when the glass was being chewed by her, when she was chewing the glass and you're seeing it just subtly pass through and the crunching sound and the I don't know if if more blood necessarily helps that or just seeing the glass pass through and hearing it with those sounds and seeing that visual was enough. It felt like it was enough and we may never know, but I think the movie chose that style for a reason because it did it often. And I think that that was to me, one of the more impressive things about it. It could have went, I think overboard with that, but I think, toning it down a bit actually helped it for me anyway, just in a bubble seeing and hearing the reactions that I heard. I felt like it was effective in, in how it was able to do that. Um, uh, as far as, uh, just some of the, see the other things that happened. Yeah. I thought that the, the elevator full of blood, I thought that that was pretty cool. I thought that that was another, um, cool visual that they had. And I didn't mind the chainsaw. I was like, Oh, the chainsaw, of course we got to have it. You know, it's evil dead. Um, so we, we got that little scene in there with the chainsaw and I don't know, maybe I would have felt the way you did about it if it was excessive or if it was used a lot, but you know, they saved it to the end. It was in the final kill. I, I, you know, and so she got to like do the final kill with it and walk off with it and stuff like that. And, and and I think for me, that was okay because it didn't just like the movie's runtime. I don't think they, it overstayed its welcome. I think that if that had been earlier in the film and we're going back and forth to this chainsaw and stuff like that, I really, I think maybe then maybe I would have been more annoyed by it. But hey, one time, let's use it in the finale. And boy, what a finale that was with the all the bodies sort of me- melding together. It looked like something off of Resident Evil or um, Silent Hill or something. You know, it just kind of r- reminded me of something like that. But um, but uh, I-, I thought that that was a very effective finale scene and the final kill and everything like that. Um, as far as the kids and everything, I thought that the kids did well. Of course, we had kids making questionable decisions like the little girl opening the door for uh, our <laughs> possessed mom, uh, which she did a great job too. Uh, I especially loved, before I, quickly before I get back to that, I especially loved the any, mini mighty, mo scene. All of that was great. Like, when she got in, when she was behind the shadows, you couldn't completely see her. All you could make out was just kind of sort of a silhouette kind of in the dark there. I love the lighting in that scene. I love how they did that. I love the the eeny, meeny, miny and the hand coming out of the darkness and pointing to different people and seeing the different reactions. That was just another great scene. And I mean, come on, it's the, the any, mini, mighty, that that's like a timeless, just traditional. Again, 
taking some simple shit, but just making it very, very effective with filming techniques and things like that. And if you, and, and for me, I've always been a fan of that. I'm kind of the opposite of you, Sterling. You know, my favorite, horror, I think the best horror movie is Halloween. The first one, like the original one. And a big reason why I like that is because it was doing techniques just like this movie was. Real, keeping it real simple. It doesn't have to be big on gore, but it's got to be big on visuals and just capturing your imagination and using those simple techniques and maximizing those simple things with your camera, with, with what you're doing, with putting things in focus, out of focus, stuff like that. I love when a horror movie does that shit. I guess I get giddy for that kind of shit. And this movie, I think, did a lot of those simple things effectively. And for me, that gets me going a little bit more than some of these kind of over-the-top kind of there's blood everywhere type of gore stuff that you sometimes see in those movies, which sometimes that can be good too, but I think it's just all about how it's done and how, and, and how effective it is. Like, and I think for this, for being the simple plot that it was the confined space that it was the limited amount of characters that you had, the sort of simple format that this story follows i think keeping those elements simplistic as well lended itself to a cohesiveness that this movie just seemed to have throughout and i think it helped the the flow of this it kept the intensity up with the acting and the atmosphere and and and, and kind of what the characters were going through and then when it was time to do gore stuff it was stuff that we can more that's more relatable. It was pain that you could kind of feel and see and kind of understand, I think, and comprehend a little bit more. And I definitely felt that in how people were reacting as they were watching the scene. So the, the, those are the main things I wanted to say. I think that this movie is definitely um, a a great example of just taking the simple things but making the most out of them is sometimes more effective than doing all of these big um super over the top things that we sometimes see in these horror movies heather what about you yeah a couple of things that um each of you said um and justin it is interesting hearing your perspective because you didn't see the one prior to this so um, just like hearing your first sort of reaction to the, the style of movie that they do with this one was kind of cool. But um, but no, I do agree about how the, the first scene or the opening scene set the tone for this movie because it just went into it right away. And I thought that that was a really well done um, part. But my only thing with that is I think that there could have been a better way at the end to kind of bring it back to that girl that was at the cabin. Like, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. I I just feel like the, because we already know that she's going to get, you know, what, what would you call it? Infected by this, these, I don't know. She's going to become a deadite. So 
Um, we already know that's going to happen. And so I just feel like you're, you have to kind of make that scene, I guess, I don't know if I want it to be a little bit more surprising how it comes up or how she, you know, carries this with her or what, but I just feel like it kind of lacked the like intensity in that moment that I wanted it to of, you know, seeing her at the end and then what happens right before she goes on her trip. So, I mean, I might've changed that, but at the same time, I don't really know how I would have changed it. Like, I don't really know what would have made it better. Um, but I just, that scene specifically, I was just kind of like, okay, this is probably the least intense scene of the entire movie because you already kind of know what's going to happen, but I don't know. Um, that's just being nitpicky though. But, um, but yeah, I do agree that it started out very strong and then the pacing and the um, intensity factor, at least for me, it was consistent the whole way through um, because, you know, you're just kind of like, I don't know what's going to happen and when it's going to happen. And so I'm just like on the edge the whole time and um, sort of to, you know, a point that you made Sterling about like just the what you're expecting and your level of um, tolerance, I guess, or threshold for gore. Um, I think that is a good point because for me, I already like, I cringe and I wince so easily at stuff (laughs) that for me, this felt like, okay, if it actually was more, man, I would have just been super insanely disturbed, like for a week or something. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? But like, they did, I do think they did just the right amount because it did do all those things that it would make me do, but it didn't overdo it to the point where I'm like, that was too much. I couldn't even focus on anything else in the movie. So I feel like it was just the right amount. Um, but I could see what you mean because also compared to the 2013 movie, I feel like it is much less. <laughs> like there's some scenes in the 2013 movie that are just like, wow, like, what are they doing right now? Um, But yeah, I do think that it got a little bit predictable as far as who was going to survive towards the end there. Um, And I do agree again, Sterling, about how the, I don't want the youngest child to have been killed, but I do get what you mean about like, she's the youngest one. She's the one that probably nobody would bet on being the one who dies. (laughs) So I think that that would have been such a, like a twist and such a, like get a hold on people in this movie. Um, But I, I don't know. And, and I, I get what you mean about how the person who ends up, you know, using the book is, you know, the last human that lives And I do actually like that they stuck with that tradition here, but I don't know. I just feel like something about like if Danny had been the one to survive (laughs) and just that mental anguish he would have of knowing what he did and that he got his entire family killed, (laughs) basically. Um, I just think that that would have been an interesting way to end it. But I did like the lead... um, I forget what her name is in the movie, but the sister, um, I thought she was great. I thought she did a really great job as kind of like the lead in this, the lead, uh, protagonist, if you will, of this movie. Um, I think that, yeah, she made, I I don't think any of her decisions that she made, I 
was against. You know, I think she did the best she could considering they're trapped in this apartment and they're trapped in this apartment with uh, her sister who was not her sister. And, you know, I think she she tried to do everything she could except for my one my one complaint on that would be when she's in that room and she decides to listen to the the uh the record thing, you know, when she's when she gets the headphones on and she's listening to that. I was just like, I'm sorry, I wouldn't be putting headphones on. <laughs> like I would just need to know what's going on around me, like especially with what's going on right now. And, you know, I think something major had just happened. Yeah, I think with um the middle kid, Bridget, I think was her name. Like, I think that had just happened, unless I'm mistaking the order of things, but she had just, you know, turned and done some craziness, you know, and then suddenly she's like, okay, I got to hear what this is. And she puts headphones on and her backs to everything. And I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> I wouldn't be doing that in this situation. I would be like, I don't care if she's like trying to be like, I don't want the kids to hear what it is. Like they've seen way worse in front of them. So headphones off, like you need to be aware of your surroundings in this particular situation. And, you know, Danny gets completely just mauled um, while she has these headphones on. And then that little, you know, her sister's crawling down the little vent into the room. And I'm just like, no, that was that was probably the only decision I would say about hers that I would be like, yeah, no, do that differently. That was a terrible call. Like (laughs) there's and I think for me, I would just be like every every other second would be looking behind me, just worried that something was there, (laughs) knowing what's happened in this house prior to this or this apartment. So, yeah, but um. But I mean, the way that that scene played out was really intense, though, and really cool, like seeing the sister Ellie, you know, coming down from the vent and just like the really like you just don't know what's going to happen the most of the time in this. movie. Like, you know, eventually what's going to happen. But getting to that point in the movie, um, the journey is just nonstop. And I really appreciated that because like you guys have said, the less is more sort of mentality of at least the storyline and the simplicity of, you know, just being bound to this more isolated area was really good. Um, I do slightly disagree that I don't really think there needed to be more people. I get what you mean because there are several floors and all this stuff. And like, I also don't know how anybody else in that building wasn't hearing what was happening on these other, on this, whatever floor they were on. Um, but you know, our, our, our girl at the end obviously was there in the building with all of that. So I'm just kind of like, how did nobody know, notice something crazy going on? But, um, anyway, but yeah, so, but I, I do think that, you know, they did have a few outside people that came into it that played a, a, you know, a good enough part for me to be like, okay, they're, they've expanded it, but they didn't really need to expand it more than that because it was about this family. Um, and I do agree that the conversations seemed realistic to a family dynamic. And I appreciated that as well. Um, especially when it comes to horror movies, because there are so many times horror movies are really bad at that in between dialogue or that exposition or that, how are we going to tell this backstory or whatever, you know, So I thought that they did that really well. Um, Yeah, I think. And I I liked that the mom, Ellie, 
she's not, she wasn't portrayed as this like perfect, you know, put together, you know, housewife mom. Like she was a very, you know, I'm a mess. My life is falling apart. You know, my kids have all these different interests and it's allowed in here. And I'm like trying to get my stuff together. You know, I liked they portrayed her that way because I feel like that is when you have three kids and you are kind of a single mom at that point, that seems way more realistic to probably what her situation was at the time. So I thought that that was a nice way to sort of show what her life and what her personality was like in that moment. So that was really well done too. But yeah, the, uh, the elevator scene was really cool. Um, I also thought of the shining with that. I also thought of it chapter two with that, with all the blood from the bathroom stall or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, it was, it was a very cool scene, but, um, I thought I saw it coming sort of <laughs> like the emphasis that they put on the elevator was very great. And so you knew something, something important was about to happen in that elevator. Um, what else? I mean, I feel like that's kind of the beauty of this movie is like, there's, an, there's not a lot to break down in the sense of like understanding what happened. <laughs> like, and and that's something I guess that these movies in general kind of do where you're like, no, it, it did what it meant to do. It knew exactly what it was doing. It did what it wanted to do. And it was effective, you know, every time. And this one is not really any exception to that. So, yeah, they, they did it really well. Um, and another thing that you said, Sterling, that actually kind of makes me appreciate the movie a little bit more is the fact that you pointed out that they connected all the stories with the volumes of the books because I didn't even think about that. But that is really cool because then it almost feels like, well, these might not be connected characters, but it's almost like that's what's happening in this part of the world and this is what's happening in this person's world because of the book that they found. So I think that is actually a really cool way to sort of connect this and have it be in the same universe, but it doesn't have to be the same characters in every, throughout every single movie. Also, what was the Bruce Campbell uh, cameo that you mentioned? Um, I don't think I know. One of the recordings, uh, you hear a guy mm. say, no, don't, uh, don't read that. It's the book of the dead. That was Bruce oh. Campbell. That's him. Okay. And also, I didn't know that the scene where the mom bites the guy's eye out. Yeah. The sound effect is Bruce Campbell eating an apple. <laughs> is it really? <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. I like that. That scene got me too. I was like, that's just absolutely disgusting. Like, spit it out into the guy's mouth. Oh, there were so many very cringy parts of this movie. See, um, and I think that that's why it, I think that that's why I'm so down with some of those parts of this movie. None of those scenes got to me. I Yeah, but I feel like your tolerance is way higher than mine. Too. <laughs> I want to feel the feeling. I mean, did any of them make you feel God, that? No. The last one? The, the 2013 one, there's a couple of scenes that got me. And it like lightly, ever so lightly, like I got mm. like a little inkling of it. Like it was like I was flashing back to like when I was like six and movies made me feel that way. And 
I, I want to feel that too, guys. <laughs> yeah. And if I feel that way, if it gets to the point to where I start to cringe and go, ooh, shit, you know you're going to feel it too. Yeah, that's probably very true. Yeah. I mean, and I don't know, Justin, like what your, you know, tolerance of it is, but like, what were the parts in this one that made you kind of like squirm? Well, I mean, my, I mean, my tolerance, I don't know. That's kind of weird to talk about it. Like what's my level of, what is your gore threshold? Honestly, I don't know because I've seen just about everything and nothing watched a lot of foreign films. I've seen like all kinds of crazy stuff on film and I can just sit through it and be like, all right, cool. For me, it's less about what I'm seeing or the amount of blood or anything like that. And it's just more about how it serves the story. I'm just a a, a story guy That's fair. When, when it comes to horror and atmosphere and setting and timing for me, it's the timing and the story and what are we trying to do? And I can only judge it just based on how effective it is. I'm probably going to react more if I think it's more effective or if I think it's, um, or if I think it serves the purpose of what the, the film is trying to do. Because there are some times when, I, I could see a million heads get cut off and just not even blink and be like, okay, that's the fifth decapitation in this movie, you know? But then I could see it happen one time where it's slow and the sound is good and you hear the guy yelping and then the head, it just comes completely yeah. off. And it's like, oh man, that was very, very effective. that's I I don't know if that explains anything of what you were saying but to me I react more based on the effectiveness of the scene that's what I'm looking for yeah so it could have zero gore or it could be a ton of gore and I'm going to react based on what the scene is trying to do sometimes there's a lot of blood and stuff like that but it's done artistically you know and that gets me going sometimes. And it's like, oh man, look how they, look how they uh, so artfully shot that blood spraying on the wall or whatever the case may be. You know, sometimes it's done in a very beautiful way where I, I can appreciate the beauty of the gore. And then other times I'm like, okay, I just scratch my head. Like, okay, what were we really trying to do here you you know what exactly what purpose did this serve and 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 so sometimes the gore doesn't make me cringe or anything it just makes me scratch my head and go i mean wtf (laughs) like like what are we doing here you know what i'm saying so to me the more it's gonna be more effective if it's effective in the scene which is why i appreciate it the gore in this because I thought it was all very effective. I I think what they were doing matched what the tone of this was, what the, what the scope of this was. I think given the scope of this, we're in a small place. We're in a confined area. 
We've got this book. It's, and we don't need a hundred of the demons or this, that, and the other. It's one book. We, 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 we said one ritual, one person got possessed. And we've got just a few people that are dealing with this symbol. So I feel like it's got to match. You know, well, I, so I think I liked it more because it all matched, man. The funny you thing know, is it, I, that that's what I liked about it. You're the funny thing is, is you're 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 saying the plot of almost every single Evil Dead movie, though. <laughs> like they're all very isolated. It's small settings. It starts with one person. A few other people get possessed as it as it spreads through them. You know what I mean? Like that's that's so many of these movies. Like I said, there's cool. only one movie that does not follow that trend, and that's Army of Darkness. Every other movie follows that trend. Okay, mm-hmm. you know, cool. So, like, so those aspects, I, 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 I get with it. It's just to me, I wanted there to be like a slightly more expanse on it. And plus, like I said, I've seen versions of this where they do amp up the gore, and it still, t- it still fits. With tonally what they're going with with it, um, yeah. But I, I, I will say this, Justin. I do agree with you though that it has to serve a purpose. Yeah, I'm not saying it just has to be gory because I've watched tons of movies that are gory and I'm bored out of my fucking mind because it's just exactly it's gore for gore's sake. I like the Evil Dead gore because. Not only is it meant to serve physical pain as part of the story, there's also the mental torment that is added with it from the the demonic aspects of it and the psychological toll that stuff is taking on the characters that are not possessed. You know, whether it be that they're physically just getting slowly broken down by the amount of physical torture they're taking or the psychological torture they're experiencing by seeing their loved ones go through it, even though they're possessed and it's not technically their loved one feeling the pain. They're still seeing the body of their loved one be going through it, going through this massive amounts of physical damage type of thing. You know, it has to have that story element. Cause like when a very recent thing is like the terrifier movies, um, especially the second one recently came out and all this other stuff. It's got oodles and oodles of gore, but it's just gore to go, look how fucked up this guy is. He's doing, he's cutting people in half. He's a bad guy. Whoa. And I'm just like, okay. <laughs> like, why do I care about it? Yeah, this means nothing. Yeah. To me. hmm. You know, and I think that it, that is a good point that you both make because Like specifically a scene that sticks out to me in this movie is the scene with uh, Bridget, the middle child who after she turns and she's like squatting on the counter, she turns around, she's eating the glass. And like that entire scene was very um, effective because it is like it, it is it has to do with how they how the how they do the scene and how it served this the story in that moment like you know this this child that is like completely not herself and the just the creepy way that she's speaking even and like 
just the fact that she's eating this glass and it's like she's not even feeling anything going down her throat when we could see what's happening. And, you know, just like the talking to her aunt about like whatever she said about like, oh, I don't, you know, I hate it when I have things in my stomach or whatever it was she said. Like just really, it was so creepy and intense, that whole scene. And I think that that's a perfect example of like, it wasn't necessarily super gory in that moment, but they were doing some very things that you're like, that's painful to me to watch what's happening. Because there's and, a, and, I, and just to add to your point, and I think the reason why is because there's some real relatability in that gore. You know what it's like to yeah. eat something and it gets stuck in your throat or to chew something or it get cut you, you know, the, the, these are things, you know how it is to chew something and then something, or maybe you're chewing something and then there's something, you, mm. you kind of bite something that uh, th- yeah. that you didn't anticipate and it kind of hurts or whatever. I, I think everybody has felt something like that before. So yeah. you're just imagining, mm-hmm. so you're watching this person chew glass and you're thinking about that time your mouth hurt because you had something in it or something like that or the throat. And and all of that is relatable. You know, that's a relatable pain. And you're thinking about that. And you're also looking at the scene. And like you said, the creepiness and everything like that. And that equals an effective scene. Sometimes that is more effective than if she would have just took a glass bottle and just freaking just st- st- just through you know stabbed it into her yeah. forehead and it's just sticking out of her forehead and she's like ah or said something or whatever yeah. you know it was the methodical chewing and it's you thinking about that time you that's the effectiveness of can sometimes be the effectiveness of simple gore you've yeah felt something like that before or at least that's, that's what I, think- I how i kind of interpreted it yeah No, that, and that makes sense. And like, I think that's why the sound design of this movie plays a huge part in what Mm -hmm. makes it so effective because it's loud in the moments that it needs to be loud, but it's like, (laughs) at least in the theater I was in, it felt extremely loud in certain moments when you're just like, oh, but, um, but, you know, hearing the, the glass crunch, you know, or hearing like bones crunching and breaking and like just all of the, yeah all the sounds that they do to make you like, as if you're in that moment feeling that or like there while it's happening or whatever it may be, that is the, that is such a huge part. And like, I've never really thought about it before how something like sound design can be so effective in your experience of a movie like this. Like it, it just, it really does it. And I mean, and I've seen a lot of crazy movies too. I've seen both Terrifier movies. I've seen all the Saw movies. Like I've seen a lot of crazy things too. And yeah, it always makes me cringe. And I guess my, my, I'm not, you know, completely desensitized to it yet. I don't know. But I think it is like the fact that the way that they kind of play on your emotion or the mentality of the people in the scene that also makes it so effective with like, it's simple, but it's not at the same time. Like it just, it, it doesn't have like, kind of like what you said earlier, Jason, it doesn't have to overdo it with like selling you on what's happening. Um, you know, it's, it's like in the moment that the people on screen are finding out like that moment, 
that the aunt finds out that the middle child has something wrong with her. That's, we find that out at the same time, exactly like how bad it is. So we also don't know what to expect when she's not turned around on that counter yet. Right. Like we're in that moment with her of like, what am I about to see right now? Like I have no idea what to expect. And you feel that because you're in that same moment with her. And I thought that was really well done. But yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's pretty much the only additional thoughts I had, um, you know, beyond what you guys already said, but yeah, it just, I think the best word really for this movie is, you know, effective, effective in what it wanted to do and doing it to where you, you felt it, you felt what they were trying to do. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, I I agree with a lot of that though. I mean, like, yeah, the sound design's amazing in this. I thought the special effects were great in it. Like, especially whenever you find out it's 15 million because cheap special effects, you can always kind of tell the, the, whatever's Mm, digitally there looks like it's not there completely. It's always like the lighting of the, the special effect is a little bit different than the lighting in the room. So it doesn't quite line up a little bit. You know, this is relatively seamless. You know, there's not a, like any given point where you're just like, oh, special effect. Oh, that's like, especially like the scene, uh, mom possessed climbing on the ceiling out of the bathtub. Very good. Oh, yeah. Very effective. You know, that's not all practical. Some of it is, but it's not all practical. They do a very good job of making it look like she's in that room with those people doing that shit. You know? So I give it that credit. And also, I do find it incredibly smart that the one thing that was going to be the most special effect heavy, which was when all three of the people combined into one demon to chase her down, they hide it in the dark. Yeah. Yeah. Very Very well. And you you don't feel cheapened by that because it's still, you you see the outline of it, you, you, you know, you 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 get yeah. pick, like glimpses of parts of it here and there, but they never go fully look at this thing yeah, because that's it true. would lose its effectiveness because they probably don't have the budget to render that as well as they did the other things. Mm. So I will say this, the director, the producers, whoever, those people were incredibly smart with how they did that because it kept yeah. its effectiveness and it doesn't snap you out of it by looking fake in the end. I think in general, their use of shadow in this movie is really well done. Like even the mom, when she comes back from first getting, you know, turned or whatever you want to call it, like you, you, she's in the shadows for so much of that. And like, you just don't see it full on and it's really well done. And you're right. I didn't even think about that, but you don't, you only catch the glimpses of the three headed monster thing. And like and you see its shadow it makes it going more down the, intense. Like, come, like walking, you see like parts of it. No, that was incredibly smart yeah. doing it that way. Yeah. Because yeah, it would because it also does add to the intensity of the story and the situation. And it would have snapped you out of it if you saw this fake ass monster at the end of the movie. It's the <laughs> climax. It's what this right. whole movie's been building to, and you see a fake ass fucking monster in the middle of it. It would have snapped you right out at the most pinnacle part Shout of the movie. Shout out signs. But yeah. yeah. Lesser directors have done, have gone and fucked their whole movie up by showing the shit at the end. Uh, So I give this guy credit. Like 
I guess that that kind of leans into what you're saying, Justin, of holding back. At least, you know, to me, I yeah. agree with that. You held back that. The restraint of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That that was smart, you know, um, because, yeah, I mean, and I guess maybe that is uh, something to, that's the credit of this movie is, well, yes, I would have wanted a more visually visceral aspect to a lot of these things. But sometimes doing that puts you a little too close to torture porn. That that version of horror we got at the what the like two thousand what five ish when torture porn was the big fucking rage. Yeah, yeah, you know? I get what you're saying with that. That's very true. And yeah, and maybe that's why I liked this more because it was the there were more there was more meaning and significance to what they were yeah, doing. Yeah, so maybe holding back was his way of going, let's not dip our toe into that. Because yeah. that is that is a, that's a fine line. And if you don't, if you're smart enough to trust yourself enough to go, I don't know if we get up to that line, I might cross it. And I don't want to cross it. So let's give ourselves like five foot buffer. Let's let's not even get that close to the line. Let's stay enough away from it that we don't dip our you know toes over. Maybe that's why he did that. And, you know, because he maybe realized, like I said, to himself, if we get too close, I don't trust myself to not go too far. And maybe that's yeah. what he did. And if that's the case, you don't kudos to this guy, because I'll take this over just torture porn any day. You know. Because only yeah. a handful of movies have gone straight torture porn and actually been effective. Yeah, very true. And I'm kind of cyclical with that stuff. Like, it needs to be, you know, sometimes the torture porn, I guess, can be okay. But like you said, it's got to be effective and it probably has to be the right day of time and I got to be in the right mood for it maybe after so long of just seeing the simple stuff and not seeing enough blood i might crave more blood but i guess right now this movie just hit the spot you know yeah, and that's i fair. went i ordered i left and i was full and it was like yeah man that 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 hit the spot i am no longer hungry it, it hit the spot right now but i don't know ask me in another five or six months I might need some, you know, I, I might need the the uh, an elevator's worth of gore all over the you movie. You might need like you know? an unrated cut of this movie where they amp it up a little bit. Yeah, I might need something a little more. I mean, and that's just really the truth of what it is, man. Like, it's just like, you know, movies, other movies and stuff, too. Sometimes you want some story driven, heavy, deep stuff. And sometimes you just want to watch some stupid shit like. I don't know if y'all are that way, but I certainly am. Yeah. So right now this, yeah, exactly. Like sometimes you just want something simple. Boom, 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 boom. A lot of lights, a lot of colors. I don't need everything to make sense. I don't want everything explained to me. I don't want a deep dive of the brothers. Just give me the damn video games. That's all I'm wanting right now. Isn't Isn't it nice though, when you get that blend of both though? And I'm not trying to knock Mario for this. I'm just saying, like, in general, when you get, like, those big, bright colors that kind of give it that feeling of just 
a simple movie, but then it's also got depth. So depending on your mood, if you want depth, you can watch that movie. And if you also just want a good time, you can watch the same movie. Uh, yes. I, I'm saying that in regards to something like Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. You can actually get both from the same movie. And I'm just, like I said, I'm not yeah. trying to knock another movie from it. I'm just trying to, once again, talk about how great Puss in Boots is. Because I wasn't a part of that episode. I was yeah. sick. I had like a 103 degree fever while you guys were recording that episode. Mm-hmm. So I didn't get to talk about it. So this is me through like the next 20 episodes. I'm just going to drop little bits <laughs> of how much <laughs> I liked that movie. That's fair. Um, well, yeah. Typically your higher level movies do have quite a few of those elements. You know what I mean? Normally the ones that are at the top, like you normally your best movies do have Normally, they have all of those things, you know, or some level of all of them. They're fun. They've got the colorful characters. They've got the the deep story. They've got normally you're talking about the best movies that have all of those things. You know, know, Top Gun had all of those things. You know what I watched the other day? Everything, everywhere, all at once. Yep. That's another example of something that has all All of it. All of it. Um, but so. yeah, going back to this movie, though, like I said, if he restrained himself because of that, like he just he did not want to get close to that torture porn aspect of it. I respect that decision because, like I said, I'll take this movie any day of the week over that because, like I said, it's few and far between. I mean, and that's kind of why, like, the Saw franchise is such a mixed bag because hmm. sometimes they made it work. And then sometimes you're just like, really? This is the seventh movie of this shit again? Yeah. And see, that's why, I mean, I know this isn't, it's not going to be necessarily same level as this or whatever, but I think the the idea of the 2018 Halloween movie is, it's the same reason I liked it as far as like, it's a more simple story. Like it it wasn't over the top with like all of the, what it was trying to do with the story and all these other elements. It was a pretty simplistic, you know, slasher movie. And yeah, there were the kills and the kills were what they were supposed to be, you know, but like it, it just felt like it was more like contained, I guess, in, in how they told the story throughout. And so I think that it's the same reason that I thought that one was done really well. Um, is the same reason I think this one was done really well. So yeah, I get that. Yeah, because it's very easy to dip, like to go too far with it. I mean, look at the next two Halloween movies. Exactly. They went overboard and yes. they fucked up everything they did right in the first one. I was lower on yep. the first one than you guys were. And it still dipped in quality. Like, yeah. I, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so it, it really is that fine line. And if if, you know what? If if restraining yourself is what it takes to just put out a, a good movie, that's that's what you got to do. And yeah. I mean, like I said, this movie was good. You know, I expected more and I wanted more. But, you know, in the end, I'll still take a good movie over a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. Like I said, the Terrifi- yeah. Terrifier 2, it's just gratuitous killing from this one fucking clown fuck. And that movie ended and I'm like, why the fuck did I just watch this? And it's like two hours long. 
So it's just two hours of just what the fuck am I doing with my life? <laughs> wasn't, yeah. Didn't that movie get a lot of hype yes. or whatever? I thought the reception was it was like one of the scariest movies or one of the most like, you know, vomit inducing, you know, uh, I mean, the second one's definitely better than the first one, but it's... That's what I heard, too. The second one's a massive improvement over the first. That's another thing I heard. That's not saying much. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Like, if I was to just, like, quick, like, remember back a few months and go scores, it's like a 36 for the second one. The first one's like a three. So, yeah, it's a massive (laughs) improvement. (laughs) Damn. Okay. But when you're improving over such a fucking garbage movie, of course it's better. It's like an acquired type of horror that um, a lot of people really love, but I, it's not my particular taste of horror that I enjoyed as much. I, it was, it was, I can give you a I comparison, Justin. Yeah. It's Circus of the Dead. Okay. Well, when you said a clown is killing people, I immediately thought of uh, yeah. Circus of the Dead. Yeah, when you said it's, that it's Circus of the Dead. You know, and I and I'm not trying to knock Circus of the Dead. I've done that enough in my lifetime, but I'm just saying it's that type of movie. Okay, you know, so it's so, real big on just like a lot of just super heavy on the gore. So it is torture porn. Yes, it is. It's how okay. like how. Like, fucked up, can we cut people in half? You know, last movie, we cut somebody in half this way. This movie, we're going to cut somebody in half this way. Okay. You know? Mm-hmm. So, it's it's that type of movie. And, you know, I will say this. They had an, a lot of creativity in the different ways they cut people in half. <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's just a movie of some guy cutting people in half. You know, like in the end, that's all it is. And, you know, and if that's that sub genre of horror that you enjoy, go enjoy your movie. Yeah, because that subset, they definitely loved this, that movie. And for me, I was like, ooh, I don't know. (laughs) And that's the thing, though, is I still got no cringes. Like, it's I still, you know what I mean? I still got no cringes out of it. But then also the story shit. So I latched on to nothing. (laughs) Okay. You know what I mean? At least this had a good story. There was some good acting. There's good camera work, sound design, special effects. There's good stuff throughout this movie to still latch on to. There's nothing to latch on to. But, you know, the, the people that are fans of that movie, they love that shit. And you know what? Those motherfuckers also kind of crazy. They're, I mean, and I mean that in a way that like they know what they like, and that's the shit they like. And don't talk, and don't talk about it in any sort of critical way, because they'll say they want to rape your mother. <laughs> Dang. That that is a thing. I know that from experience. Right. That is true. That is true. People just I mean, and I think shouldn't talk bad about <laughs> Burger King. 
Is, is, is Burger King on that low? You know what, Justin? I think that is a very apt comparison. Burger King is the torture porn of fast food. I agree, yes. sir. I agree. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I think that, like, I I don't know. I think, like, another example for me of, um, like, I think one movie I've seen that it just really disturbed my soul <laughs> is um, it's the... Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like the remake one, is the I haven't seen the, the original Jessica one. Jessica Biel one, yeah, because oh, and here's why. Well, no, here's why though. It wasn't because like oh, like it's you know the crazy gore and the whatever this and that. It was the disturbing behavior of the people in the movie, like the the very creepy crawly like residents of of the town that they were in that were related Ooh. to uh Leatherface or whatever. Okay. I don't typically say this because it's an old movie and we know how Sterling feels about old movies. <laughs> yep. But go watch the original then. <laughs> well, no, I mean, but I mean, just to my point of like the reason that that one creeps me out more than something like a saw is just, the way that they utilize the very creepy, disturbing behavior that the people in the movie are doing. Yeah. That is what effectively disturbed me about it. You know what I mean? And so, and I'm sure the original will hundred percent do the no, same I'm, thing. I'm saying it does it <laughs> but, better. Like it's, yeah. it's that it, but it, better. Yeah. No, that's, I'm have no doubt that you're correct. It's just, I'm, I missed seeing the first one. And then when I was in high school is when this one came out. And so that's just the one that I saw. So, but in either case, like that's the type of stuff, like kind of like what we were talking about with how are you utilizing what's happening in your movie? Right. Like, and that's what kind of really disturbed me about that, that film. And there's been other ones since then, but I just, I remember specifically that's when I realized like, okay, this is the type of horror movie that really gets under my skin more than the others is like when you have these people doing these very depraved, disturbing things in the way that they were doing in that movie. So just to kind of go back to the point of use, you know, even if you're not overly gory in a scene or in a movie, if you're doing that part effectively, it's just as scary, honestly. I I mean, I, that Texas Chainsaw Massacre with Jessica Biel does hold a special place in my heart, though. Just because. Because it's Jessica no, Biel? Well, doesn't hurt. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> but, no, it's it worked at the movie theater when that movie came out. There was a guy who was nicknamed Rabbit. I don't know why. He was nicknamed Rabbit. And that guy, we're sitting there watching that movie, and afterwards he's like, yeah, my dad was one of the sheriff's officers that had to go into that house when they did those recordings. And I'm like, the, Oh the, God, the, the things that don't exist, <laughs> you, the, the things that are fake. He's like, no, no, no. It was, it's based on a true story. Yeah. Not in Texas. It's not a thing. <laughs> the Texas chainsaw massacre is based on Ed Gein from Wisconsin. Yeah. And he's just so adamant. He just, he lied about so much shit. And that was just one of those things that he's just like, 
so adamant that his dad was one of the sheriff's officers that went into that house after the massacre happened. Like the house that doesn't exist. Like whenever we talked about, it, he's like, no, it's like a museum now. And I'm like, yeah. Cause the house from the original Texas chainsaw massacre. Yes. Was in Texas. And they filmed a movie there and they've kind of made it a Texas chainsaw massacre museum for the movie. Like that's a real thing, but that's like as real as it gets that there's a real house that filmed a real movie about a bunch of fake shit. Man, that poor boy who lied to him. What family member lied to him? No, has been no one lied to him. <laughs> no one lied to him. And he, he had to find out just like made this, up that, that shit. it was a lie. That's, oh, you think it just came from him? Like he wasn't yeah. told that? He, I'm thinking, man, he was probably told this by them for years and years and thinking, oh, man, my dad, you know, this is such a cool story. And then I had to come to grips with the fact that, oh, damn, this lie that has been, that people in my family have been telling me is wrong, but. Never mind. If it came from him, then never mind. But man, I like my version. I like both versions of it, though. <laughs> I like yours that his just life was shattered because he found out the truth. But then I also like. <laughs> he had a hard conversation that night when he went home. I also like the fact that he just thought he was going to be some cool shit. It was trying to impress people <laughs> and just I'm like, no, you're no a fucking child. <laughs> you just. Completely got him caught in his lie. That's hilarious, though. Mr. Rabbit. <laughs> Fucking dumbass. Just, I imagine him going home after that conversation with you being like, listen. But, like, that's um, my... I need to talk to you, Dad. Only real memory of that guy. I don't remember his fucking name. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not calling him Rabbit because, like, I'm trying to protect his identity. Nope. That's literally the only <laughs> fucking thing I know that guy as. Yeah, we'll just call him Rabbit for for protection purpose. Like, it's not like, that's you funny. know, I, that's his nickname, but I also know his name. No. His name could be Chris, John, Robert. I don't, I don't fucking know. His name could be Massacre. I don't know. <laughs> Because his dad named him after the massacre he walked in on. His name might be Ed. Could be. Could could be. But no, I mean, this movie though, I mean, if if that is why it tamed itself, that that's a fair judgment. I'll give it that. Because like I'm sitting there going, like, I watched the first hostel movie. Not that the first hostel was pretty good. And then you get like to hostel like three, and you're just like, get stop fucking stop. These are dumb. So if this leads to more movies because it's not dumb, that's a win. So you guys got any more thoughts about this here Evil Dead Rise? I'm good. I'm good. On that note. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com or Facebook where Cinema Slayers podcast or Twitter and Instagram where Cinema underscore Slayers or TikTok where Cinema Slayers pod or YouTube where we're at Cinema Slayers pod. 
uh, give us a five-star rating and review. We'd really appreciate it. It'd really help us out. Uh, tell your family, tell your friends, tell your friends, family, tell your family's friends. And most of all, tell those dear, sweet mothers because dear, sweet mothers love. Oh, um, as they love the baby child living. Oh, okay. I was, I was going to say isolated apartments, but okay. <laughs> the, the baby living. Yes. They, they do love that. Uh, shout out to plug Migo and Mundo Ochoa for our theme song and logos respectively. Uh, just remember here at the Cinema Slayers podcast, we are both pro slut and pro Sydney. And also, Justin would like you to remember that Moon Knight is the best picture winner. I thought you were going to add on to it. We're also anti Burger King. <laughs> no, I was going to tell him to add that Justin is pro Burger King, pro BK. <laughs> Justin is a BKP. But at Cinema Slayers as a whole, as a collective, we are not pro BK. Cinema Slayers. It's two versus one. I've got Child Heather. Heather's a BKC. I'm a BKP. That beats your non-BK. But, so but as, as an adult, and Heather as an adult, we both don't like BK. So worst case scenario, it's 1.5 people versus 1.5 people. A tie goes to the the Burger King. I think or you really want to break it down. I think Heather has stated more or less she's gone most of her life without Burger King. Therefore, <laughs> so have I. But look, that that's that's not what we're talking about here. I'm just saying that would make it like 1.7 people, like non Burger King adults, to 1.3 Burger King children. And plus, children are smaller than adults, so that's still less of a person. Oh, man. 0.3 child versus 0.7 adult. There's less child than 0.7 adult. But she says she really liked it. She said the, the chicken strips or whatever were the best thing. You don't even remember what it was, Jess. It was chicken fries. Oh. What even strips? <laughs> it's fries. But it's the principle of the matter is is what he's yeah. <laughs> fighting for. It was for. still <laughs> decades ago. It was decades ago. If she was just even makes a, me sound super a mere old. teenager, it would still be decades ago. She vividly remembers it though, Sterling. Like it was yesterday. <laughs> How old are you telling people I am right she now? Said, I'm saying you're at least like 33 is all I'm saying. <laughs> But she remembered it like it was yesterday, Sterling. No, like she didn't. She doesn't even remember what fucking sauce. She had to guess. I don't even think Burger King has a sweet and sour sauce. So she's just assuming that was the sauce because that's her <laughs> preferred sauce method. This is my go-to sauce at the time. I don't know. <laughs> I don't even think Burger King has a sweet and sour sauce. might have been ketchup. It might have been ketchup. That's even worse. But, uh, it's, B- just, oh, it's just BKK. fucking ketchup. Uh, BKK is... <laughs> Is, is, is pretty on point. BKK. No, it's not, Justin. It's just fucking ketchup. It is red cat in its soul. <laughs> Quit trying to sit there and make Burger King ketchup a thing like it's fucking Whataburger or some shit. <laughs> BKK. BKK is one letter away from being a fucking hate group. Do you really want to keep saying that? <laughs> 
<laughs> it's got the B in there. It, it can manage. All I'm saying is, look, it's just a vividly, rounded fucking K. <laughs> All I'm saying is Heather vividly remembered her experience at Burger King. She remembers that experience, and she if never she forgot vividly, her time at Burger King. She if she never vividly remembered it, she would definitively be able to know the sauce. It was just that the the food was so good. She was too busy yumming, so she doesn't quite remember the sauce, but she remembers the yum, and it's all about the yum when you go to BK. Justin, I'm not trying to yuck your yum here. I'm not trying to yuck your yum. (laughs) (laughs) But you know damn well if it's chicken at Burger King, it needs a sauce like it's fucking Raising Cane's. (laughs) Oh, come on. Come on. Uh-oh. We're not bringing Canes into this. Canes is fighting words. Canes is perfect. It's a 10 out of 10. Now, back to Burger King. Justin, Canes King sauce is, is like a, a 9.87. Justin, Canes sauce is a 10 out of a 10. Canes chicken's a four on a good day. Oh, uh, no. Come on. Justin, have you ever taken a bite of Canes chicken without sauce on it? We will not discuss that. <laughs> I'm just saying. We will discuss. It is a necessity. BK. And you know damn well, Burger King chicken fries, a sauce would be a necessity. I don't no think one so, has man. ever sat there and gone, I'm going to eat some fucking chicken fries plain because they are just that damn good. No one ever has done that. Heather, did you dip every single one of your BKCFs or did you kind of, you know, eat some plain (laughs) and then, okay, a BKCF in the BKK or did you just eat them or did you just eat some of them plain? Tell the truth about these BKCFs. Come on. I truthfully don't remember. Mm. So it was just that great of an experience. You were like, wow. And it just is, it's hard to just, Try to remember how great <laughs> that experience was. It was just such a, like a, it was like an out of body experience, you know. It sounds like me to be the person that would eat some of them without a sauce, just because I wanted to taste it without the sauce. But that's just kind of what I do with everything. I do have good news for you. Sauce. They do have a sweet and sour, at least. Okay, oh, maybe I was goodness. right. <laughs> My memory still holds. (laughs) There you go. So you did have that BKSS. All right. Maybe. And do you really want to throw an SS in here? Do you really want Nazi imagery with the damn near one letter away BKK? Come on, Justin. Burger King's a fucking hate group. I said BKSS for BKFC. Just saying, Justin. There's a lot of hateful imagery associated with Burger King. Do you really want to go that way? What do you want, man? You don't like BK. You don't like the BKSS. You don't like the BKCF. You don't like the BKK. I mean, come on, man. You're not you're not down with the BKPs. What's no. up, man? Or the BKCs. You, you counted BKCs as less of a BKP. I don't understand you, man. Come on, man. Well, That's just, just sheer mathematics, Justin. <laughs> I mean, that's about as impartial as you can get. An adult is bigger than a child, and 0.3 of a child versus 0.7 of adult, 
0.7 of an adult is more person than 0.3 of a child. There's just no winning with you, is there? I can't win with you. I just Not can't. with Burger King. <laughs> you just had it, and I know you liked it. Come on, just say I you liked some of it. even eat the fucking burger. It was so... Just the onion rings and fries alone made me not want to finish my fucking meal. And I went to a fucking gas station to get good food. Oh, God. I spent more money just to get food I'd rather eat. Because I went to Burger King out of desperation. I needed food, and it was the first one I saw on the highway. I can't believe you passed a BK for a GS. That's silly. I can't. I don't understand that. It's called standards, Justin. Maybe one day you'll have <laughs> a GS, though. Yeah, of a BK. Yeah, I'll pick a gas station any day of the week over a fucking Burger King at this point. I can't do Yikes. it. Yikes. This is too much. This is verbal gore. This is the kind of gore that's too much. This is too way too much. This is this where is you the, start getting cringy. This is the torture porn verbal gore that you're admonishing on me right now. That's it's fair, Justin. Your love of Burger King is borderline torture porn. <laughs> oh God, is it? It's yes, like- <laughs> it's fucking Burger King, Justin. What you were <laughs> what you were doing to your body is the equivalent of chewing glass. <laughs> now I'm now thinking about that character on that counter going <laughs> with a Burger King burger and she being like no and then him no and then you start you You're see it swallow you, you just see the food swallowing in her throat and the, the woman's like no no not BK no <laughs> I hate you. Yes. All right, we're out. Bye.